Please stand if you are able and join me in the call to worship. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Let us now together confess our sins before God and one another. Loving God, we confess that too often we approach you as consultant rather than as master, and our lives are a mess accordingly. You have said that just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can we unless we abide in you. Too often we try to go our own way, forgetting that without humble reliance upon you, we can do nothing to make a positive difference in your kingdom. Lord, have mercy on us, and though we push away, hold us close to you, for we are but little children who don't know what is good for us. Hear the good news. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven.
Good morning. I welcome you on this Mother's Day, beautiful spring morning. It is wonderful to have you in worship today. You'll notice as you came in, there's a few displays out there in the lobby. We'll talk about those. Today is that monthly time when, um, if you would like, you may purchase fair trade products, um, coffees and teas and chocolates, especially those chocolates, uh, out there. Um, and also, as you're doing that, help uh, support uh, fair prices for um, various farmers uh, around the globe, actually. So that's going on out there. Uh, also, just to let you know about some things that are coming in worship, next week is Confirmation Sunday. So at both services, uh, we'll have um, a total of 11 uh, eighth graders that will be here uh, proclaiming uh, their faith in Christ, and we are celebrating that today. Uh, are looking forward to that very much. And then on the 24th, um, we want to remind you that our summer schedule begins, which will not affect this service. It still will be at 9, but the second service will be at 10.45. And then speaking of summer, some things to give you a heads up about that, that are coming. You can note these uh, in your a little tear-off tab that you'll be putting in the offering here shortly. Um, we have a picnic, Altridge picnic, that will be coming up on, in July. It's going to be sort of picnic and corn boil this year, combined event. And then all church camp in August. It's towards the very end of August, but we want to let you know ahead of time. Um, try and get an early uh, head count from you if you're going to be able to attend. Um, by the way, all of that information and more <clears throat> are in your summer newsletter, and those are in your church mailboxes. Um, pick those up today, all kinds of information about summer and what's going on. And then um, today is kind of a bittersweet day for us because... Um, it's a day that we are officially saying goodbye to um, our student pastor, Jeff Lynn. Jeff, we should have you stand up here, actually, buddy, so we can do that. Um, we have something for you. You'll notice out there um, in the lobby as well, that's Jeff and, and some of his good buddies from town. <laughs> good buddies. And uh, also, you'll notice there is a cake out there for, for, for Jeff as well. And um, it's our day to say thank you for your time with us and to wish you Godspeed in um, all of your ministry ahead. Um, you've been a blessing to us as much as I'm sure that we have done anything to slightly train you. <clears throat> you have trained us as well. This is something for your own personal growth as a pastor to come and we'll give you that on behalf of Yorkfield. There's also a little book out there that you can sign some memories or reflections um, some well wishes for Jeff. It's out there next to the cake as well, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, Jeff, we we thank you for your year with us. God bless and God you. <laughs> Jeff will actually be here next week teaching and all that, and you'll see him in worship. But today we we want to say officially goodbye. Now, it is in the context of. Uh, confirmands who are coming next week to make their public declaration of faith, of watching folks who have grown up from baptism through confirmation now moving uh, into uh, ministry, all of you that God has called to be um, ministers in the larger church. And most of the ministry in the world happens, of course, not inside these walls, but what you do out there in the world, uh, in the work you do, in your, in your, your schools, in, in the community. Um, and one of the great blessings, of course, also within this community, is that we get to invite uh, those in who are just beginning uh, to make that journey, whom Christ is calling through their parents to be members in his church universal across time and space. And so today I'm going to ask that uh, Joshua Thomas Reddick and his parents come forward. As they're coming, I remind you that... Um, Jesus said, allow the little children to come to me and forbid them not, for of such are the kingdom of God. Joshua's parents and family come bringing him forward, his brothers who've been through this themselves, and now Joshua comes as well. Jeff and Jody, guys, as you come now to bring... Joshua, for baptism, I ask you now also to reaffirm your faith in Christ and make these promises uh, on Joshua's behalf. Do you? Now, reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, do you? 
Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for Joshua's salvation as you do for your own? You now unreservedly promise in humble reliance upon God's grace to set before him an example of the new life in Christ. And you promise to pray with and for him and to raise him in the knowledge and the love of God. Would the congregation please stand? Do you, the members of Yorkfield Presbyterian Church, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of this child, so that in due time he may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? We do. Will you endeavor, by your example and fellowship, to strengthen Joshua's family ties with the household of God? Will you? We will. You may be seated. Will you, will you pray with me? Gracious God, from generation to generation, you have been calling your children to you. We thank you that you have reached into the life of this little one, even before he knows you, to make him your own. Your faithfulness in keeping your promise throughout the centuries comforts us and gives us great hope. Help us now to nurture this child in faith, both as parents and as a community of believers, sharing with Joshua the good news of a God who loves him through the words on our lips, the deeds of our hands, and the example of our lives. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Joshua Thomas Reddick, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Joshua, you are a child of God, buddy. Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> Let's go meet some of your new family. You know these guys, and I'm sure they're getting to know you really well, too. Yeah, these are your new Brothers and sisters in Christ, most of them are a little older than you. See that? We're all different shapes and sizes, ages, all kinds of different gifts that God has given us to do ministry in the church. We are excited to find out what gifts God may have given you that you're going to use to build up this church. We've all just made some promises about being faithful you're, you're not so sure about that, huh? Well, you hold us to that, buddy. We've made some promises to be faithful in, in being examples to you, of walking with you in the faith, of helping to grow you, of being here for you in this community, in this family of God, your new family. We have something else for you right here. Why don't you come over a little closer? have a candle. Joshua, this candle reminds us that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He has called you to let your own light shine so that it may draw others to Christ. Indeed, it is the light that shines in you now and goes with you always to light your path in the future. In the years ahead, we ask that your parents and your big brothers would join with you in lighting this candle on the anniversary of your baptism day, every May 10th, so that together as a family you may rejoice and remember that you are called a child of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Mom and Dad, when you came today, you brought Joshua as your son. You take him back now as your brother in Christ. <laughs> Joshua, we welcome you. God bless you guys.
I'd like to invite the children of the congregation forward for a children's moment. And while they're doing that, the ushers will come forward to receive your morning offer. Since it's gotten so warm outside, have any of you gone to a garden? Do you have any gardens by your house where you plant little things? Yeah, do you have a garden? At your school, do you plant things like butterflies? Do you plant like flowers or other plants? Good people plant it. But you get to enjoy it. You get to look at it and everything. Well, you know, our, our scripture this morning from... The New Testament, it's from the Gospel of John, is kind of about a garden. And so I thought the best we could do here at Yorkfield is to look at our own plants, which are actually over here, over here. So let's head over there, okay? You see these plants? Yeah. See how they have soil? And then I mean, there's some dirt. And what, what, what's this part of it called? Do you know? The stem, yeah, or if, if it was a big tree. What would you call it if it was a big tree? A trunk. That's right, that's right, that's right. And you know, it's, it's really neat. J- Jesus talks about how he is the vine, and all of God's children are the branches. That might be kind of confusing for us because we're not as familiar with those words. It's, but it's kind of like Jesus saying, I am, I am the trunk of the tree. Trunk that supports the entire entire tree. All the little branches, all the leaves, the little twigs, and everything. So what Jesus is saying is that God is the one who gives us life. God is the one who is the big trunk who supports us, who who walks with us. And he's invisible. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we can see God in, in other people or around us, but you're right. The trunk. We are all the little twigs. So, as as Pastor Mike said, this is the last time that I'll be able to do the children's moment for you this year. But I I wanted to say thank you very much for helping me learn with you this year and to remember that God is your life and that God is with you this day and every day. Could you pray with me? God, we give you thanks that you are our life that you are the trunk and we are the little twigs and branches. Be with each of these children this morning. Help them to remember their own baptisms and all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 Thanks.
Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds to receive your word with joy, so that by the power of your Holy Spirit it may grow and flourish in our lives through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. It's to be found on page 109 in the New Testament in your pew Bibles. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have, been, that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we hear one of those great I am sayings of Jesus that are prominent in the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. Last week at our youth service, they used the one where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And today it's I am the true vine. Vines are a little different than people though, aren't they? When a child is conceived, you know that she's totally dependent on the nourishment of her mother's womb for nine months. For some time after that, she may still continue to be dependent on maybe uh, the breast milk of her mother, but eventually children get weaned. They get independent. They learn to drive. They go to the mall. <laughs> Their ability to flourish and grow doesn't depend on mom any further. They can and do get along just fine without that umbilical cord that once represented to them the very source of life. But it's not so with branches. A branch along a vine stem is completely dependent on the nutrients that come up through that vine, up through the ground, uh, when that branch is one day old, when it's 40 years old, like Gordon Snyder, or 120 years old, like um, George Coke. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Every day it's still dependent, no matter how old that you are. Um, there is no such thing as a weaned branch or an independently-minded section of vine that shuts itself off from the main stem. The stem is the only part that has roots in the ground, and so it is every branch's connection to the water, to nutrients, to survival. If you're a branch, therefore, it really pays for you to stay tight to the vine stem. Jesus says this same thing goes for your relationship with me. Unless you stay connected, you can't make a difference in my kingdom. You can, in fact, do nothing. It's all about staying connected. We know that. We know how that works in the world of politics and other things. Uh, that's how things get accomplished. You've got to be connected, you know? Um, that's why in Washington, D.C. last year, um, folks paid $3.3 billion to 15,276 registered lobbyists to get their case before Congress, to get themselves heard inside that bubble of Washington, D.C. That's how it's done, right? How else are you going to do it? Well, there are other ways, I suppose, 
Are many of you familiar with uh, the romantic poet Percy Bysshe Shelley? Now, Shelley, before he was a romantic, became famous as a romantic poet. He kind of wanted to change the world. And uh, he would sit in his upstairs sort of garret there, and uh, when he wasn't writing poems, he would, he would write out um, you know, ways of changing English society. And then his brilliant plan for changing society was then to fold those wonderful thoughts of his into paper airplanes and then just sail them out his window, thinking that, of course, somebody would pick it up out of the gutter and go, yes, wonderful idea. Let's change the world. This is why Percy Bysshe Shelley is known as a romantic <laughs> poet. Jesus, however, is no romantic. He says, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and are burned. Now, those words sound very judgmental, don't they? But in reality, I think they're just descriptive of the way it is, of what happens when we detach ourselves from the vine, when we get disconnected. We do it to ourselves. It's paralleled in, in life outside the church. Um, many of you might remember about a year ago, um, famous Attorney General, Governor of New York, Elliot Spitzer, riding high, very famous, very powerful, talking about him becoming an eventual presidential nominee. And it comes out that he's had, you know, he's been paying for very expensive call girls. Um, there was an article in Newsweek, exclusive article just a few weeks ago, and they said, oh, exclusive interview with Spitzer. And I thought, great, I'm going to find out what was going on in his head. Why in the world would you do that? And you know what? The, the interviewer, the Newsweek reporter, asked him that exact question. And you know what he said? I don't know. It's a mystery to me. I don't know why. Now that, I submit to you, for somebody who's a governor of a state of New York, or just any human being, is woefully inadequate. But it describes, at that secular level, just the human level, how out of touch Spitzer was with who he was and, who, and how out of touch he continues to be. It's easy as governor, of course, to surround yourself with people who are, who are yes men and women, who tell you whatever you want to know. It's really easy to, to keep uh, anonymity to some level, to not let anybody in near to share what's going on with you emotionally. And apparently, there was nobody around Spitzer to say, are you insane? You need help. You need to go get help, buddy. So there was nobody to stop him. No community. No rest of the vine. And to this day, he continues to, to be out of touch, it seems, with others and with himself. Bad things happen when we're not connected to reality, when we're not connected to a community of our friends who can hold us accountable, who can reflect back to us what's going on inside of us. I've seen it happen many times in the church. It's happened to colleagues of mine, pastors in ministry. Inevitably, when they get in trouble, it's because they stopped being connected, both in their private devotional lives to Christ, but even within the community of those larger body, the church, stopping to be connected. When this happens, of course, it is painful for the branch. But it's not only painful for the branch because we are branches of the very vine of Christ. And that's a very intimate thing. We grow out of his very self. And if something goes wrong and, and we remove ourselves, it creates a wound, a scar. It hurts him. Scott Hosey reflects uh, 
some of how pastors, we think of, of life and how personally we take, take things. He said, when I was a pastor, he said, uh, I felt a personal hurt whenever members would, would transfer to other congregations or uh, particularly when they would just move away and they wouldn't say goodbye or they wouldn't even drop a note or, or anything and they would just leave. He said, I might have baptized their children, I might have married them, I might have presided at a funeral of a family member, and it hurt when they disappeared. But he said, as painful as that was, is nothing compared to how Jesus feels when he loses a branch, because he loses part of himself. Because in that case, it means not that the branch is serving God elsewhere on the vine, but that the branch is little more than kindling. You may have noticed in verse 2 that the branches that the Father cuts off are described as having been in me. This soon-to-be dead wood once had every bit as intimate relationship with Jesus as the vine on the vine is every other branch. It's not as though these branches had once sort of floated freely on their own out there or that they'd just been a little bit connected to the vine. A branch is a branch. It's organically united with the vine. To lose a branch is to lose part of your very self. It creates wounds. It's small wonder then that that Jesus is so really emphatic at this point that he's expressing such concern that his disciples not let this happen. He's desperate, Jesus is, to keep everyone. Desperate that they may remain in his love, even as Jesus himself and his words remain in the hearts of all branches. Most of us in in North America, and even in other parts of the world, are accustomed to live in these sort of very voluntaristic societies of ours. We view our membership and involvement in in almost every institution, um, including the church, as something that's wholly up to us, right? We can initiate membership and and we can terminate membership at will. So we we tend to view the status of our membership, of our belonging to this or that group and kind of hold it a little bit at at, at arm's length. Being a volunteer member carries with it sort of a vague sense of detachment. But church membership Eugene Peterson says, suggests something else again. He says we have a hard time wrapping our minds around the idea of how intimate that connection really is. That to say that that I'm a member of Yorkfield or whatever church is biblically speaking like referring to your own hand as a member of your body. Being a voluntary member of some group means joining or resigning are relatively easy things. But being a body part or a part of the vine carries with it quite other connotations. A hand can't quit the body without some pretty serious consequences. Or as Jesus says here, a branch cannot leave the vine without some trauma involved. Pruning, cutting, cleansing a vine involves pain for the branch, but also for the host. Jesus says, make no mistake, though you may take your relationship to a particular church casually, there's nothing about my relationship with you that's casual. That's why it's so important for us to be working on this personal relationship that we have with Christ, why it's through prayer and our regular times of devotion that that we branches are sustained by the life-giving Holy Spirit of the vine. Our lives are sustained by our relationship to our Lord. And without that connection, we're also unable to bear fruit. Jesus says, those who abide in me, and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from them, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. For a long time, I didn't really get that. Raised to be a very independent American, I like to think that that it was you know my will, my hard work, my perseverance that allowed me to accomplish things. 
it never dawned on me that maybe my very ability to work hard and, and to stick with it might be gifts from God to begin with. I also didn't realize that apart from the vine, even the good works that I seemed to accomplish would amount to nothing without the grace of God working through them. Today I'm constantly asking myself, is God in this endeavor? Is he here with me in this thing that I'm involved in? Or is it just what I want? Even then, while we're trying to stay connected, God the farmer is likely to prune us, to cut away all that stuff that keeps us from bearing fruit. At first, pruning sounds counter to staying connected. Except Jesus' audience, slightly different from us, was very familiar with how grapes are cultivated, and they knew that after each growing season, Going into the winter, the vines needed to be cut way back in order for them to produce a good grape harvest in the coming year. Sometimes we're not able to grow up without being cut back. To flip that earlier analogy around, I remember when my daughter was being born. I think I've shared the story that I'd asked the uh, obstetricians, if this was possible, and they go like, no way. Um, I said, I want to cut her umbilical cord. It's kind of a symbolic thing. And they go like, no, 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 I don't think so. We're crossing the sterile divide there. I'm worried about that. But then right in the midst of the C-section, they handed me this the baby over to me and gave me these scissors. And they said, right here, cut in this place. And I cut. And, and our daughter's never forgiven me for that. <laughs> but she was never going to grow unless she got cut away from her mom. She can't grow up to be her own self or become the mother that she herself has become. That was an actual cutting the umbilical cord. You've been reading the stories, and maybe you know some folks themselves who, who continue, though, to kind of have a mm, emotional umbilical cord there that lasts a long time. You know, we have the, the helicopter parents that are, you know, hovering around. There are stories now of parents who are going with their college graduate children to job interviews. You know, mom, dad, back up. You know, what's that say about the kids that allow that to happen? That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Where we live today, right now, in the world, in the midst of this recession, seems to be having kind of a pruning effect on some folks in itself. I was listening to a, this American Life show on NPR a while back, and, and they were interviewing some folks who suffered during this recession, and they were interviewing particularly this woman and her husband who, who lived in the Florida Keys and had made hundreds of thousands of dollars flipping houses as we came up through the, through the uh, housing boom. And eventually they were so making so much money, they, got, they sold their own house, made a big amount of money on it, and then they took that money invested it into some more houses to flip them right when the bubble broke. And they lost everything. And she said, all that, and this is her response. Instead of being angry or whatever, this is her response. She said, all that stuff I thought was so important, making gobs of money, granite top kitchen counters and so forth, I'm so ashamed. I'm just so ashamed I bought into all of that. What a wonderful spiritual awakening for her. Having been pruned, her heart is growing in ways that it hadn't for years. But why wait for a recession? Jesus urges us to heed his words today. Abide in me. As I abide in you, apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay connected. Bear fruit. Amen.
It is our great joy to welcome into this fellowship of our Lord Jesus Christ, Joshua Thomas Reddick. We celebrate with the Reddick family and his baptism this day and our continued growth. I also wish to share with you news from Matt Rush, who is a seminary, a child of this church studying at Princeton Seminary. He had surgery uh, to remove a rod from his leg where infection was continuing. The surgery was very successful last week. Uh, Mike came home on Mike. Matt came home on Friday night. He'll continue to be on crutches and work with healing and rehab for the next three months uh, as uh, he continues to recover. Lynn Borland reports that her uncle Vern is finally out of the hospital where he was recovering from a house explosion. And he is happy and expecting to be back in a newly repaired home sometime in the next two to three months. We celebrate the 40th birthday of Gordon Snyder as his sons, Hayden and Everett, bless us with the flowers that we have on the communion table this day. And some prayer concerns. Our choir director, Dylan Rem, asked for prayers for his girlfriend, Kim, who has an important job interview this coming Tuesday. Bailey Dole shares with us that her sister, Courtney, is safe and well, but that the wildfires in the Santa Barbara area this week um, mostly, most likely burned the home in which she was previously living. And Wendy Burke asked for prayers for her cousin, Pat. Her cancer treatment continues. She had two special procedures uh, for her liver and is experiencing a great deal of pain, nausea, and ache in her bones. And so let us hold Pat in our prayers. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you for so many things this morning. For the rising of the sun, for the love of family and friends, for the sheer beauty of this earth you have created and continue to create our home. We thank you. Awaken us to notice the little things in this life, the simple joys that surround us. Fill us with your hope and the confidence of the faithful so that we might more fully live into being sisters and brothers in Christ. We pray with deep gratitude for the love of Jesus Christ so clearly evident in the lives of our youth. We thank you for their witness to us in the worship that they created and led last week. We also pray for the compromands in this their last week of study and ask your spirit to be fully present in their active decision to join your church. Jesus, we know that you are the vine and how we long to be your branches. Come now, Lord Jesus, come and fully live in us and graft us to you. Strengthen us as we grow and stretch us to be disciples, pointing the way to your grace. God, we know that you are one who weeps when we weep. Hear our prayers for those in need of your compassion and our companionship. We pray for those suffering loss from wildfires, for families mourning the loss of children in earthquakes, for hungry bellies mourning for nourishment, for Samuel's village thirsty for clean, safe water, for teenagers recklessly shot to death, for those trapped in a cycle of addiction, for those tormented by domestic violence. God, we ask for your wholeness to be present. We fervently pray for your guidance to know how we might make a difference in bringing your kingdom to come on this earth. God, who is birth mother to us all, hear our prayers for our families. We pray for families who live in anguish while seeking a next step and ask for your leading hand. For families burdened with schedules too full to even share a meal together. For families working to open lines of communication, we pray your ever-present calm. And Creator God, we pray for those longing to be blessed with children and we ask for your grace. 
Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence and guidance in the life of Joshua Thomas Reddick. Fill him with energy to serve you, love in his heart for all peoples, and blessings beyond what we can imagine. How fortunate we are to welcome him into the one body of Jesus Christ, your church. Compassionate and ever-present God, we thank you for Matt's successful surgery and pray his good healing over the summer months. We thank you for Uncle Vern's healing and the healing of all those recovering and in rehab. Hear now our silent prayers as we pray for those in need of your healing mercies. For Gordon and Barbara, for Anita and Jean, for Pat and George and Ted, here are prayers for ourselves. Here are prayers for your peace to envelop those searching for the next job, for the next career. May this pause along the way be a time of growth, a time of searching and finding the real priorities in life. Mighty God, open doors of opportunity and make the connections needed for the next livelihood to unfold. We pray this in all the prayers of our hearts, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the risen one who calls us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as we prepare to receive communion this morning, we will receive through intinction, where you are invited, if you are able, to come forward through the center aisle, tear off a piece of bread from the loaf, dip it into the cup, and receive the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you return then to your seats, if you are in need or desire of healing prayers, we invite you to join folks in the library who are eager and waiting to be in prayer and in oneness with you. Friends, I tell you, rejoice, for this is the joyful feast of the people of God. And folks will come from east and west and north and south, from small villages, from big bustling cities, from farmland and metropolitan areas to sit at this table in the kingdom of God. We're reminded, especially during this season of Eastertide, according to the Gospel of Luke, that it was in the very breaking of the bread, when our risen Lord was with them and broke that bread, in that moment, the disciples' eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and they believed. This is the Lord's table, and all who are eager to be one of those branches to be in relationship with them, come now and receive this love, this grace. When Jesus was at supper with his disciples in that upper room, he took a piece of bread, that very thing that they ate every day of their lives, as if to say, in this most common food, I am with you, in the most ordinary events of life. I am with you always. He took that bread and giving thanks for it. He broke it and he handed it to them saying, this is my body broken for you. 
Take and eat in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, and again he poured into it. And in the pouring, he said to them, This is my blood poured out for you. This is the cup of the new covenant, God's love and grace given freely for you. Every time you gather and you eat this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the saving grace until I come and am with you again. Come now, dear friends. These are the gifts of God to the people of God.
And now as you go from this place to serve the Lord, stay connected, bear fruit, and know no matter what, the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you always. Amen. Amen.